welcome to another Daybreak Crypto. Um, today we have me and Jake on, and we'll be talking about blockchain and how it can disrupt the music industry, as well as how Binance is trying to take over the world, some might think, with the way they're talking about their investment portfolio. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, so my article was, like I mentioned, about blockchain and how it could disrupt the music industry. And this is a pretty popular discussion as of late. Um, one of the big issues in music right now is obviously creator rights, um, just rights in general over any sort of medium, whether that be art, music, um, what have you. And a lot of the issue comes from these large organizations and you know, record labels, producers, whoever, who own the rights and are barely even giving royalties to the actual artists. Um, and so blockchain kind of provides an avenue to remove some of these middlemen from the equation. And that's kind of what this article is based on. Um, they kind of talk about how, you know, the blockchain allows you to kind of direct directly interact with consumers of the music or artists can directly interact with um, fans. And through this, you kind of create this new avenue that didn't really exist before um, to empower artists. Um, and, and as we know, like streaming was a nice change of pace. So prior to streaming, you basically had to buy a physical copy of the music you wanted to listen to, hope it came on the radio, or pirate it. Most people chose that third option because it was the easiest and you could get any song you wanted. So bringing streaming along was, was a big improvement in that sense for the listeners. Um, and it also was, I guess, nice for the artists in the sense they are now able to create revenue through royalties. But what I guess happened is that the royalties kind of got slowly squeezed and squeezed, squeezed down until the artist is receiving almost nothing. Um, and that's kind of where this this article comes in. So I don't know if you had much chance to look at it. Um, but they basically talk about the different things you can do in the blockchain to create value for artists and for listeners. And we can get into those, but I just wanted to get your opinion in general on how you feel about the idea of blockchain or music on the blockchain and how it could potentially help artists. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I'm optimistic. Well, not optimistic. I guess I would say I'm hopeful that it could be a solution because um, I'm not a musician and I use Spotify, of course, um, just like everyone else. But then I hear these stories sometimes on Twitter where some of these really small artists will say, I had 15,000 listens, streams last month. And you're like, holy shit, that's amazing. And then they're like, yeah, I made like a buck 25. And like, that's a nice little snapshot of how, for a lot of these artists, the system clearly appears to be broken. But on the flip side, um, listening to music has never been easier. So from the, like you, you mentioned this, you, you said this, like from the customer, the consumer standpoint, um, it's pretty nice right now. I, I mean, I've, I, I never thought growing up I'd have uh, an option like Spotify to just go and hit search and listen to anything I want for like, I don't know what I'm paying now, like 15 bucks a month. So while I would love for there to be an option to help those people that um, are kind of caught maybe in the middle or at the bottom end, um, you know, it's, I don't want to sound callous, but does 
does an alternative option make it harder for me to listen to music? I, I feel like it probably does. Like it probably creates a floor for listening to anyone's music because right now the trade-off I think is that uh, most of the streams are carried by the biggest artists and they, they make money. And then those who get very few streams, they don't make like any money. So if you want to like even that out, if you want to even that distribution out, um, and then if you want to get off the Spotify platform, um, I guess I'm just really curious how this would all an alternative system would look when we spent all this time going progressively more and more and more convenient for us, the the listeners and the consumers. And um, obviously that isn't great for everyone, specifically the music makers, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of caught between what's right and what's frankly selfish and convenient. And I don't know what that looks like. Well, I guess what's interesting is I think there's a a kind of middle ground solution. And let me back up a bit because what's and this is something I kind of have read outside of this article, but I thought was very interesting and actually applies quite well. Is I was I was reading a story about how what a lot of these um, you know companies did who own the rights to these artists' music <clears throat> is they made deals with with Spotify and all these other streaming. Uh, platforms but the deals were structured in a way that <clears throat> essentially they were trading the artist rights for equity in spotify in return for lowering the royalty fee so you can kind of see how that benefits the company because they're getting equity uh for basically providing artist rights in, in companies like spotify early on Mm-hmm. And in return, they're giving the art. They're basically saying, in return for you giving us equity, we will lower the royalty percentage you owe us per stream. Now, the artist only sees that royalty, so the companies are essentially using the artist's work to as leverage to bargain for more equity in a company that the artist will never see, and they're giving up the artist's portion of that. <laughs> so, like, yeah, when you when you think about it like that then you kind of see where the solution is, right? It's kind of what this article suggests. Find a way to take that middleman out, and now the artist can get that equity in the company to give up the rights. Now, that might not make sense for Spotify now because you don't have this catalog of different artists like a you know a, any sort of label would, but at the very least, now the artist can decide what the royalty rate is and collect that. Yeah, okay, so it's these middlemen are like the labels. Yes, some sort of some sort of agency that is basically owns your rights. A lot of these deals are set up in a way where the the label owns not only your music rights but any media rights you have. So Mm -hmm. it's it's commonly known as a three hundred and sixty deal, and it really is what it sounds like. They own your whole entire world, like anything that you can generate money off of based on your likeness or your your art, whether that's music, whatever. They get a piece of that. So that's and that's in my opinion, a huge issue because a lot of these artists don't even realize it when they first sign. And now not only are they getting almost no royalties, but they have no control over their music. Um, and basically these other people do. And at that point, you're really not even, you're not really doing anything more than working for someone. Jesus. God, you know, you, you hear all these stories and just like labels, man, they, they just don't have a great reputation. They just seem like their sole existence is to, uh, take advantage of artists sometimes. I mean, obviously well, they, they, they do provide, there's a reason people sign with labels. They, they give you access to, you know, studio, uh, 
bands, studios themselves. I mean, there's there's a reason, you know, people sign up with them. But man, it's just you turn around and you can hear a story every single day about people getting taken advantage of. And uh, yep. yeah, it just seems like artists have no bargaining power individually. And, um, and I mean, I don't know if any. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on there. And I think that is exactly what it is. There, There is no bargaining power for the artists at this point because of this barrier to entry to the music industry, whether that be yeah. the cost of a studio or the cost of what have you. But on top of just the, the monetary cost, it's you have to have the connections with the right people in the music industry. So yeah. that's where it becomes almost necessary to have a label is because that is essentially you making your deal with the devil. You know, you're basically saying, I'll give you half of my IP, if not more, um, mm-hmm. to basically get my foot in the door so I can actually talk to the people I need to talk to to get a record deal or to, you know, basically progress my career in the music industry. And that's just yeah. how it's been for so long. And I know, you know, the acting industry is very similar and really probably all entertainment for that matter. But it just, it is very sad to see really that's how it works is that the the person getting the least benefit is the creator but you know with with um with like acting or what am i trying to say movie making with uh, hollywood you know there there's very a clear structure around um labor like the unions are prevalent there's there's so many rules around pay and work so that everyone from the triple a blockbuster lead actor all the way down to like the key grip like they have rights built in they have pay built in they they know that they're going to get their bag no matter what because it's been negotiated on the front end they're a part of a union whereas you know music i don't know what that looks like i don't think there's like a giant music union among artists i think they're pretty like individual in their you know in their pursuits and not to say that unions are the right way to go i just think when i think about how blockchain could help solve these issues blockchain is just a tool and even the specific way it manifests is still just a tool kind of like you were saying like you still might need to change some of these like social arrangements and and blockchain crypto itself can't solve these problems they can be a piece of the solution but you you need to change the dynamic up you, you know it's it's uh it might require these artists kind of banding together in a way they've never done it before um so yeah and yeah. and they also are introducing some new products that i think <clears throat> will actually help artists quite a bit um so they now have like smart contracts that allow you to you know directly purchase a song from these you know marketplaces and mm-hmm. And a lot of these marketplaces now are set up where it's, you know, 90% of the revenue goes back to the original artist. Um, And then you're also seeing these different platforms that allow you to contribute to the website in return for incentivized, you know, like tokens. So, for example, you would go on and if you're listening to people's music, if you're, um, if you're rating their songs, you can kind of earn as like a fan listening. And then on the, vice versa side if you're the artist you can actually i'm sorry if you're an artist you can put your music up there or your project and have people invest in you directly through smart contracts and in that Mm -hmm. case you you don't have you have people basically doing a kickstarter for you they're investing their money in your product they get their piece of it but most of the royalties will go back to the artist so again you're just taking that middleman out using a smart contract instead of an agency and now both fans and the artists are benefiting more from it because you're just you don't have that person in the middle squeezing all the value out. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that's 
So just to take that specific thing you just said, I don't know if that's so much the Spotify killer, but I love the idea. And it reminds me of when we were going to like Wiz Khalifa shows back in like high school. And like when it was like, what, like a couple hundred people at a show in down, like downtown. Yeah. Um, and like, you were like fully on, I mean, we all like Wiz Khalifa. I think it's fair to say you liked him the most. And <laughs> I mean, I think if he had a token to buy, you probably would have loaded up as much as you could. And then like, how cool would that be if like, then when he hits it big and he's playing these stadium shows, it's like, oh, you got my token from back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. You get, you get front row seats. You, you get backstage passes. You were one of the, uh, the, the original people. Uh, I, I, yeah, I love think, that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it would encourage I think it's a great idea. I don't know if it's the Spotify killer, the end all be all solution, but it certainly, I guess this kind of goes back to this stance I have about crypto and blockchain, which is that maybe it changes the world. Maybe it upends entire industries and the fiat system, or maybe it just ends up doing a bunch of little things better. And, that's, and it's still, and I think that's proven. where I said too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I sit in the full world takeover type deal, but I also think it'll, it'll have its niche no matter what and how big it mm -hmm. is could definitely vary. But yeah, I think uh, you're about, <clears throat> about to transition into our next article because I know we are running on, on time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I wanted to wrap things up with a short article about um, uh, Binance and um, Binance is one of the largest uh, crypto companies in the world. They are an exchange and they operate around the world. They're one of the best um, success stories in crypto. Um, right now, 90% of their revenue comes from trading fees. They're, they're very much reliant on that line of business. And uh, just like any business that sees its revenue coming from a singular source, especially one as volatile as uh, trading fees, because trading fees oftentimes uh, track with the larger market and they can be very unpredictable. And if there's one thing companies don't like, uh, it's unpredictability. And so what they're looking to do is diversify their revenue streams. And as one of the largest companies in crypto worth uh, billions of dollars, they have the means to do so. And uh, Recently, they became one of the largest owners of Forbes, uh, which is a business magazine, uh, online magazine. They're, they're an e-publication. Uh, they also took a heavy ownership stake in a card payment service called Swipe. Uh, they also own a uh, crypto data website, CoinMarketCap. Uh, and with a lot of this stuff, they've also um, caught some regulatory scrutiny. And I just, I wanted to bring this up because I think it's um, funny with everything we're talking about with regulatory uh, action being taken or at least begun by the U.S. government, um, you know, crypto, the total uh, market cap of all the coins is still somewhere between two and three trillion dollars. Um, it's just funny that we're already kind of beginning to talk about um, maybe uh, anti um Oh my God. Oh my God. When companies get too big, um, antitrust, we're talking about companies that, um, so not that antitrust has been explicitly stated here, but, um, it's, it's interesting to see a company and a industry maturing to the point that people are considering vertical and horizontal integration and that regulators are thinking, well, you know what, maybe, maybe you're getting too big. Maybe, uh, we don't want you owning, uh, everything. Here. Which is yeah. kind of interesting, right? Because, you know, we talk about the total market cap of the entire crypto space being, you know, two, three trillion. Um, and then we have 
<clears throat> companies like Microsoft who are alone have market caps around two trillion. And then we talk about companies taking over, you know, too much, you know, they're, they're doing too much with their assets or acquiring too many things. There needs to be some sort of, you know, stop. There has to be a point where you draw the line, right? But then you have companies like BlackRock that are literally buying up our entire world and no one blinks an eye. So it is funny how this anytime crypto companies seem to be entering that stage where they're becoming so large that they're, you know, a notable company, all these regulations and issues start to pop up left and right, which I think there should be regulation. I just think it's funny how it works. It's it's uh it's not a problem until it's crypto. Yeah, yeah. It's um everyone's got their eyes on it and they're just yeah, they're I think they're kind of looking for um not not that they're trying to do like illegal like punishment or anything. It's just like look there's there's too much going on for regulators to cover everything. And so much like auditing, like the IRS audits people, there, there's too much to audit. So you you gotta choose where to point your attention and your resources. And yeah. um I think uh there's an extra spotlight being shown on crypto right now for sure. Yeah, which is good. I mean that that does mean that it's drawn enough attention that, that people are talking about it. So I mean, we need to have regulation. We need to have clear regulation so people know what to expect and, and what they can and can't do and, and how it should be treated. So I'm definitely all for that. But um, yeah. Yeah. But Binance makes a lot of sense. Anything wrong with what Binance, Binance is doing. Yeah, because now they own a crypto data website. They own a means of payment and they own a um, piece of uh, media with Forbes. Yeah. So it really makes a lot of sense that they're building out uh, businesses that complement each other. So, um, no, Binance, like I said, they're, I, they're a success story in crypto. I seems like they, they're, they know what the hell they're doing. Right. So. And if you want to protect the users, I would say, you know, the whole you know, protect the users type deal is if you want companies like Binance to be successful, they should be diversifying like that. They shouldn't be yeah. just sticking all of their eggs in one basket. So to me, if people are investing in the BNB coin, which is Binance's, you know, like governance token, their main token, then you want to make sure that that coin has a backing. And when you start to acquire actual businesses with revenue and cash flow, that starts to add true value to that token beyond just the speculation to it. So I think for companies like this to survive, they're going to need to have some sort of balance sheet or treasury of assets that can support the valuation. 100%. Well, thanks, bud. Uh, that's a great note to go out on. Uh, great point. So uh, appreciate you joining me today. Appreciate uh, everyone tuning in. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, like we are every weekday. 